Morning, guys. I normally would start with praying, but I'm not going to because I think Matt's play, prayed about 16 times since we started today. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. They were all needed prayers. Um, but, <laughs> but it's good to be here. And um, yeah, I always love the way that the Lord works. And Matt joked a few weeks ago about, well, he didn't joke. He thought he was being serious. He said I was preaching on um, Joshua. And I changed it at that point twice already. And when I said to him, I wanted to do Joshua, he sent me a scripture on Joseph and said, spot on, this like hands down best thing to preach on. And I was like, no wrong, Jay, but let me look into that guy too. And now we're doing Joseph. So <laughs> that was a cool unfolding. Um, I've now got to know a few but God characters in the Old Testament just in prepping. Um, I wanted to start today with a joke, which is like my husband's worst thing on earth because I, I'm not a joke teller. <laughs> so he's very nervous about this. He's even made me practice it. <laughs> he hasn't heard the sermon, but he's heard the joke. Um, but I heard this joke um, by Bill Johnson on a Bill Johnson sermon, and I just thought it was so cool. So there's a Sunday school teacher, and she's talking to her class, and she says to them, so, okay, so um, if you know the answer, just shout out or put up your hand. So what is like about this size, and um, it has a really fluffy tail? And she like sort of stares at them all, and they all just stare back at her. And then she carries on, and she's like, okay, you think of more clues. It, um, it like scurries up trees and, and lives in a hole in the, in the tree. And they all like carry on just like sitting there, you know, staring at her. And then she like carries on like thinking, and she goes, okay, come on, guys. I think you know the answer. It eats nuts. And a little boy finally like puts up his hand and goes like, um, miss, I know the answer is Jesus, but it really sounds like a squirrel. <laughs> Oh, he's even clapping. I nailed it. <laughs> um, the reason I started that, I better find my notes till I end up just being a comedian up here. Um, but the reason I started with that is I wanted to start by asking a question. And it's, it's one that I assume will have an, an obvious answer. Um, but I want you to put up your hand if your life has turned out exactly like you imagined it in your teenage years. <laughs> anyway, anyone have that dream life? that you imagined in your teenage years. I guess not many of us, and I think um, it's, uh, except the teenagers. <laughs> you can put up yours for now, at least. Um, but I know if I was living up my teenage years dreams, I would either be competing with Gerda Stein for, for winning the comrades, instead I'm like bedridden with a, with a wonky pelvis, <laughs> or I would be living in Mozambique, and I'd have 37 orphan children. <laughs> and those were my teenage dreams. But gosh, life looks so different. Um, to what I think we dream at back then, and not all bad, but unfortunately in life, life, life can get really difficult, and life does throw a lot of spanners in the works, um, and I'm sure that all of us sitting here has, has our own story to tell. I don't know, can you hear an echo? Is it okay? Um, but yeah, I think we all have our stories to tell, and what disappointment often does is disappointment causes us to go either into bitterness or hardening our hearts, Super easy. Um, more commonly nowadays is that we numb. So many of us numb. Just watch series or sit on our cell phones every time we board because we simply are too scared to actually go there. And others of us might turn to Jesus in our disappointments. But today we're going to dig into the life of Joseph. 
And I'm sure when you think of Joseph, you think of this like bright colored coat. I'm talking about that Joseph, um, the brightly colored coat Joseph. Apparently, that's not even legit. It wasn't even a colored coat. <laughs> but, but we're going to get into a story, and we're going to spend most of today sitting in Scripture. And I think Shan must have had a heart attack when I sent between Joseph 30, I mean Joseph, Genesis 37 and Genesis 50, I sent almost all of that as the Scriptures that needed to be on the board today. Um, but the truth is, the Scriptures speak for themselves. And I'm hoping that today we're going to walk away with a different message to perhaps the Joseph message we knew before. Um, and, and something that I've just learned through this story before we jump into it is that Joseph started out, his story starts with him having a dream, a physical dream, okay? It starts out with a dream. And then 13 years later, it ends with him living out that exact dream that he had, that teenage dream. I mean, he was 17. It ends up there, but in those 13 years, the in-betweens, there is disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And if you were looking from afar, you'd be like, yeah, but it's cool. He still lived out his dream. The truth is, though, if you zone in on any of those times, I don't think he knew that, that he was heading where he was. Um, and I'm hoping that as we sort of journey through this, we're going to understand and start to see ourselves in Joseph in so many ways and what we can do with this. So... Let's open. We can put up the first scripture. Do we have the scriptures? I didn't even check that. Cool. So we're going to start, guys, in Genesis 37. And to just give some background, those who don't know who Joseph is, so before we look at his coat, are we jumping all over? <laughs> um, you can look at me for a second. So Joseph, background quickly. Joseph is the son of Jacob. He, there are 12 children. They've got different mums, not 12 different mums, but quite a few different mums. Okay, so a little bit dysfunctional. Joseph is the second to last child. I'm sure we're already all going, gosh, this is just like me. <laughs> now I'm teasing, just the dysfunctional part. And, and Joseph is also the great grandson of Abraham. So he actually fits within that line of the promise that was made to Abraham of becoming um, sort of the generation, the, the speaking into the nations. So we're going to start from Genesis 37, and you can read with me on the screen, and then we're going to stop sort of every couple of verse, verses. So we're starting in Genesis 37, verse 2. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bela and Zilpah. That's just how I pronounce them. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Okay, so he was a little bit of a tittletale at age 17. Jacob loved Joseph more than his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Joseph had a special gift made, no, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because his father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. So we're just going to pause there for a second. A few things that we can pull out immediately about Joseph. So I think when we all heard the story or we watched the play, it was like these horrible brothers who would possibly sell their brother. 
But, but let's be honest, we might all have sold our brother if he'd behaved like that. No, I'm teasing. But he, he definitely had a natural confidence, okay? So there was a God-given confidence and, and sort of leadership ability. I mean, if you're the 11th brother, but you're still able to stand up to your other brothers, and you think 11 brothers, like that's a big, wide range of age gaps, although there were lots of moms, so there might have been some overlaps. Um, but, but without a doubt, Joseph had a natural confidence but being age 17, maybe a little bit cocky too, okay? Saying to his brothers that, you know, he was, he was definitely the favorite. He liked to rock being the favorite. And it says he used to tell on them if they did anything wrong, okay? So naturally, he was irritating them a bit, um, semi-understandably, but not, not maybe entirely understandably. And then he's given this robe. And I want to just pause on this robe for a second, okay? So everyone in those days wore a cloak, that was like a normal thing to do. So his brothers would have also had a robe, but it would have likely been short-sleeved and short sort of in length. So, and not, not bright, not just like a very plain cloak. And the reason they had it was to keep warm. And then also if you were traveling, you would keep your stuff in it, like bundle it all up. You can imagine on your camel, um, tied on a stick. No, I'm joking, but that's what I sort of pictured. Um, but they all had a cloak. But he was given this special one. Now, the only people in those days who had these special robes tended to be the people that were in royalty. So when his father did this, it was a real like mockery of all of them, because it was sort of saying like, he's definitely better than all of you. Like you've all got those average ones. And here he is living his, you know, best life. And then he happens to have a dream saying they're all bowing down towards him. Oh, it fits the picture. And you can imagine what his brothers were thinking. Doesn't make him obviously any less of the leader that he was. But this is where we've come into the story. Okay, we're going to go into the next one. So we're now reading. We're jumping a few verses. And we're reading from um, 18. Can we get that up? Okay, 13 to 18. Let's, let's just, you can just jump straight to the next one. Um, yeah, we can pause there. Okay, so I'm going to start here. So it says, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, okay, so he's come out to the fields and he's come to find them. He went to one place, they'd moved on, and now he's gone to find them out there. And it says, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance as he approached. Sorry, and as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Okay, so they've jumped the gun slightly here. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. I just want to see what you've got on the screen. Is there another? Can you? Oh. Um, okay, can we go to the next one? Sorry. We're reading so much. Um, okay, Judah said to his brothers, we're jumping a few. What will we gain by killing our brother? His blood would make us feel guilty. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood, and his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were, and now this is all really important, even though I can't pronounce it, um, Midianite traders came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt. Okay, I think, did it, does it stop there? Yeah, no. Okay, so he was taken to Egypt, and then it says, oh, he was purchased. We've jumped a bit. I'm just going to check. Yeah, I don't want to um, rush too much. Okay, let's pause there for a second. So this is important. So you know that Joseph leaves, okay, his brothers, and he's been sold. Okay, so this is obviously the first real disappointment likely, big disappointment that Joseph has faced. Now he's 17 years old, and, and I'm sure many of us can relate to this. Okay, often this is when sort of life starts to get a bit more real. And he faces his first 
big disappointment. He doesn't just get sold. It says that they took his coat off him and they were going to show his dad that there was blood on the coat from an animal. And that was what it, what's going to show their dad, you know, that something had happened to him. In other words, they ripped from him what was his current identity. Because at his home, that is what he was wearing. He was wearing this coat and that's what showed them who he was and what his status was. And it was very much in line, we've said, with his gifting. He was a confident guy and so this was like sort of the place in society that he'd taken. Coats taken off, he's sold into slavery. And... Um, I, I looked a bit into this trip, guys. So the trip from where his brothers were to getting to Egypt, they would have traveled because of the type of traders they described. They would have been traveling on camels and pretty cool. Um, but for two weeks, okay, they say the shortest, the, way, the shortest route they could have taken would have been 16 days. Now, if you were 17 and your brothers had just sold you, what would you do with those 16 days on a camel? Because <laughs> I can tell you that in my mind, I could have come up with a lot of better thoughts. A lot of payback, a lot of, um, you know, this is what I'm going to do with this. Um, there, there's no doubt that in many ways, in that period, Joseph's heart could have been hardened. This was no quick trip. He had plenty time to think over the hurt that had come to him. And yeah, and I'm going to focus on three different disappointments that Joseph's life that he went through. But the first disappointment being this one, being sold, he had his first opportunity. And I want us all to sort of, if we can pull this out and remember this going down the line, he had his first op opportunity for disappointment to become disobedience. For disappointment to become disobedience. And in our own lives, we get this choice all the time too. And in those two weeks, he faced this, obviously, for the first time. And we go now to Genesis 39. And what's interesting here is we've stopped at Genesis 37, which just shows the length of time, the two weeks that passed. And Joseph now arrives in Egypt. And this is so cool. And this is what happens. It says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar, Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh. Um, the king of Egypt. Now, this isn't the same Pharaoh that it talks of later with Moses and Exodus. This is a different Pharaoh. Pharaoh just means the king. Okay, so not same Pharaoh because I was confused by that, so I looked into it. Um, the Lord was with Joseph. This is what it says. So he's bought by someone that's like in royalty. And then it says, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did. In everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. If you look in Acts 7, when they refer back to this verse, it actually uses the words, but God, the very words that we're using for this series. It says that Joseph faced disappointment, and then it says, but God was with him. Just but God was with him. Not but God pulled him out of prison and, you know, not prison yet, sorry, pulled him out of Potiphar's house as a slave and did whatever, not that. The power here was in, but God was with him. And I want us to close our eyes for a while, and I, not for too long, um, but I want to walk you through a, a picture that I had in my head of this. So I want you to imagine that you're in the sea. Imagine that you like the sea, if you don't. And you're in the sea, and you're just swimming casually in the waves. And then you get caught in a rip. And you start getting pulled out. Now, logic says that rips always bring you in somewhere else, but this one doesn't, and you're just getting sucked further and further and further out. And now you're out in the open sea, and you're sort of like 
blobbing up and down and you are exhausted and you're over this. And then suddenly the super yacht, which is like the biggest, fanciest yacht, pulls up next to you. And there's everything that you possibly need on that yacht. And, and they start shouting out to you, the staff on this yacht, and saying, um, this, is, this is yours. You have access to all of this. Come, come on board. And so you jump on board. And they say, you can stay here and all your needs will be met. But we can't go back to shore yet. I want you to open your eyes. For me, this was the picture I had of, of God being with us. It's like you're stuck in a difficult place, but you're given access to God. You're given access to everything that you need to make this place work, but it still remains the same place. God hasn't taken you out of this place and placed you in a new place. He's just placed a new you in that same place. And what's incredible here is that we know what happened with Joseph because we know that Joseph's integrity must have been so high and his attitude so incredible that Potiphar noticed that God was with Joseph. Now, in those days, the way that they saw God was that they believed that God was the God of a place. So you didn't, God didn't cross boundaries. And this is the first time scripturally where God actually crosses boundaries, where he crosses countries. So he, he goes and he literally moves with Joseph. So for Potiphar to notice this is a big deal in scripture and in the times that he was living in because it showed that God goes with us that he isn't just staying there, that he's actually staying with Joseph, with the person of Joseph. And at that time, they didn't have the promise that we have, that God is always with you. And God was so with Joseph, but I think the bigger deal here is that Joseph was with God. Joseph could have still been filled with bitterness in that place. He could have still been one of the servants in a home and been like, yeah, cool. Or made like a little tribe with the servants and they do their thing, you know, or steal maybe. But instead, Potiphar notices that God is in Joseph. In other words, Joseph is doing something different. He's flowing in God, being with him. It goes on then in, um, in verse four, um, verses 4 to 6. I'm going to carry on reading. It says, Potiphar noticed this, and it said, this pleased Potiphar. As soon as he made Joseph his personal assistant, he put him in charge of everything, basically. And it says, from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. In other words, God was with Joseph, but because Joseph was with God, the blessing extended that even in that hard place, even in that tough situation, even in that disappointment that Joseph was in, the blessing extended beyond him. Just because he tapped in, because he recognized that God was with him. Um, we then go on, and I'm, we're literally just going to walk through the story, but you know, you're not looking at scripture now, but we, we carry on going, and Joseph's life, so now he's just try and think, you know, he's, he's living in this palace and he's getting sort of raised higher and higher and he's doing really well that even though he's a servant, he's running the show and he would have been given a new cloak, a new outfit to wear. And because he was now the highest of the servants, he would have been recognized for that. Again, we see his leadership ability coming through, even within difficulty. He has confidence in that space in order to live out his gifting. Um, and then... In that place, when he must be thinking, like, I'm, I'm getting ready for promotion here, Potiphar's wife, 
who's really pretty, starts hitting on Joseph. Now, Joseph, it says, a really good-looking guy, and he was obviously confident, had a lot going for him. And she starts trying to seduce him. And the scriptures aren't um, kid-friendly in the way that they describe this, um, that they literally say, like, the wife wanted to sleep with him. She kept trying to, like, grab him and, you know, seduce him into sleeping with her. He kept saying no. He kept his integrity, despite the position, the confidence that in the past may have got him into trouble. His character had definitely grown. Um, and he keeps saying no, keeps saying no. And then one day, he happens to be in the house, and there are no other servants around. And she literally, like, grabs him. I mean, this lady's hectic. She catches him. And the only way he can get away is to literally, like, pull off his cloak that he's wearing. we back to the cloak again. And let go and run out. And she's left holding his cloak, obviously feeling like a real idiot. And what she does, and I'm going to, you don't, oh, is it up? No. Um, We don't have to put it up now. But what she ends up doing is she then tells her husband, Potiphar, where she starts shouting to the servants that that Joseph, the head servant, tried to rape me. And she tells Potiphar. Now, Potiphar was, in those days, like a um, very hardcore character that if he'd wanted Joseph dead, he, he, like, that's what he did for a living. It would have been a very easy step. But he obviously likes Joseph. And there's, a, there's something on Joseph's life that Potiphar has noticed. So instead of killing him, the scripture doesn't say this. This is just the background. But what the scripture says is instead Potiphar says he's just going to throw him into jail. So there goes Joseph again. Okay, so Joseph has just been raised up. He just thinks life's back on track. I don't know if anyone can resonate with that. Um, Just getting back on track. And then suddenly he's thrown into prison. And once again, the identity that he had, that identity of like lead servant running a household was stripped of him. The cloak was taken off. And he's put into prison as a nobody. And I had such an insight just yesterday reading through my notes um, where I felt like God was saying that, that Joseph had this choice in that moment to say, I am nothing. Like, I'm nothing. What's the point? Um, but he, instead, he, in that place, in that place of prison, he said, I'm nothing without God. He didn't remove the, my identity has been shaken. I've lost my confidence. Instead, he brought God into that. And we... Yeah, come into scriptures again, and um, you can put up you can put up the next scripture. Does it show the next one after that? Yeah. Okay. So pause here. Um, so this is incredible, guys. We've got Joseph sitting in prison now, and once again, Joseph has this choice. He can turn his disappointment into disobedience. But does he? It goes on to say, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. And we see this exact scripture again. It says, the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Again, the Lord was with him. But the Lord wasn't just with him because we know that when God is with us, that's amazing. But if you living in a space of disappointment, you might recognize that God's with you, but not really seek it out. And so in turn, I doubt that we would always succeed in everything that we do in line with his kingdom. But Joseph, again, was with God. And because he was with God, he lived out his gifting. And we saw it there. We literally see he's put in charge of the other prisoners, the very gift we've seen from the very beginning. It's who he was made to be. 
He was created with a confidence that was different to everyone else. He was created with a leadership ability that was different. And again, even in disappointment, even in that hard place, God doesn't pluck him out. God doesn't just pull him from prison. Just God is with him in that place. God is with him in prison. And in turn, he succeeds in everything that he does. We then carry on. We're still in prison. Joseph's in prison for a while, and then something happens. They have two of Pharaoh's very influential lead, um, I want to say leaders, servants, um, are sent into prison, okay? So they are now placed with him in prison. And because he's now like the head of the prison as a prisoner, um, whatever that person's called, he then basically has access to these guys. And one morning they wake up and they come to him and they're chatting. And he's like, oh my word, you guys seem so down. What's going on? And they say to him, literally both of them, that they both had dreams that they just don't understand. Now, again, we know that Joseph could have been disappointed and caught up in bitterness and not hearing from the Lord. But instead, he says, well, I have access to God. And he says this, he says, and God can interpret dreams. And so he goes on to interpret these two guys' dreams. And it's so spot on. These two guys then go out of prison and he thinks, well, doesn't say this. I'm imagining if it was me, you're like, it's all making sense. Watch me go. And then this is what happens. There's one scripture that I wanted to read out. I think I, um, I don't know if I've put it on the screen. You can um, put up. Sorry, I have to try and find notes as I'm going. Oh, verse 23. Do you have it there? It was just one on its own. Uh, no, okay. I'm going to read it for you. Um, and it's not that one. Okay, I can't read it for you because I don't know where it is. Um, but that's okay. Um, basically, what it says is that the cupbearer left prison and forgot that Joseph existed. Literally, that's the last verse. And then we jump into some, actually, forwards a page. Yeah, it says, yeah, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Never giving him another thought. And the very next line in the Bible, the very next line says, two years later, and then it starts telling us. Two years later, we're talking about this guy that God's using like mightily. I don't know if you guys have interpreted dreams, but I haven't. Like God, God is with this man. He's told us that. And then we just get this gap. We just get this two years goes by. And again, we faced, I'm sure, with Joseph's sort of third big disappointment that nothing happens, that he remains in this place that feels so uncomfortable. And again, he's faced with that choice that we faced with every day. Will his disappointment become disobedience? And it then says that Pharaoh has this dream, and suddenly the cupbearer, who's forgotten about him for two years, goes, Pharaoh, I know this guy, he's in prison has been for two years, and he once interpreted my dream. And they go and they find Joseph. And Joseph then interprets Pharaoh's dream. And he gets it spot on. In other words, in that time, in those two years, where bitterness could have been robbing from him, where he could have got despondent, where he could have hardened his heart or felt sorry for himself, instead he has got to have been pursuing God. Because how on earth, otherwise, would you leave that period and be able to just, bam, interpret this random person who shows up to it all. Not that Pharaoh was random to him, but his dream. And we jump into scripture right near the end now. And we're going we're gonna to wrap up and make this appropriate for our lives. Um, but it then goes on to say, and you can put up. Is there something to put up? 
No. Okay, I don't know how this has all gone wrong. Um, but it says, um, I just have to make sure I'm in the right, um, the right scripture. 41. Yeah. This is Pharaoh's interpretation of Joseph's behavior. So Joseph's just, after two years, interpreted Pharaoh's dream. Joseph has now lived 13 years since he had that dream and told his brothers about them bowing down to him. 13 years, and it's not like it's been easy. And this is what Pharaoh says to him. As he comes out of prison, he says, or he asks, so Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Not so obviously able to interpret dreams. So obviously filled with the Spirit of God. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else as intelligent or as wise as you are, you will be in, char in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing, which would have included a robe, and hung a gold chain around his neck. And he rode in a chariot, it says, that was reserved only for his second in command. Guys, I think the main thing that I hope we can take from a story like this, when we sit in scripture and we actually say, like, maybe, maybe there's a lesson to be learned from, from Genesis, um, is that Joseph never allowed his dire circumstances to get in the way of a greater truth, that God was with him. I'm going to say it again. He never allowed his dire circumstances, his disappointments, to get in the way of a greater truth, that God was with him. And when we look back over our own lives, and we're going to take a moment to do this now. Sorry, I know it is so hot. We're going to take a moment to do this now where we, we've handed out um, these little pieces of paper. Um, and it says, Matt, can you pass me off? Um, at the top it says, before I was something, but God something, and now I am something. And I wrote down a few things because I think that maybe for some of us this is hard to, to try and, and see where God's like interceded for us. But Perhaps your but God moment is um, that he, but God healed me, or but God saved me, or but God comforted me, or God, but God provided for me, or but God supported me, or but God sent someone to me, or but God changed me. Um, whatever that is for you, we want to give you a moment now to try and find that miracle, and there will be many, I can promise, because God is with you. We've just got to tap into it. We've got to actually remember that, that he was there and that things happened that were not coincidences. You could probably find something, all of us, in the past week if we were to really look hard. Um, but um, JJ is going to play a song for us now. And what I would like you to do is to write yours down. Um, and then you're welcome to stand with us. And we're going to sing this song out. And then we're going to pray um, for a few different groups of people based on the life of Joseph. Cool. Thanks, JJ. I'm going to invite you to, to pray with me now. And I want to ask everyone to close their eyes. And I first of all want to speak to, to anyone here who is currently living through a disappointment. Or feeling like they in a prison or in a pit. And in this space things just aren't making sense. 
and everyone with your eyes closed, if, if that's you, you can put up your hand now, and I'm putting up mine, so, so don't, feel, don't feel shy, but you can keep your eyes closed, everyone. But let's recognize if that's us. You can put your hands back down. I want to pray for that group of people. Father God, thank you that as new covenant believers that we have the promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And that like you were with Joseph, that you are with us. Father, may that truth seek and, and just sink into the hearts of those who are facing difficulty in their life right now. That you are with us, that you are with us, Lord. Father, I pray that you would speak to each of the people who's recognized this today, Lord God. That this disappointment would not become disobedience but instead would be a catalyst for drawing them closer to you, Jesus. For seeing you in this space and, and allowing you to, to bring beautiful testimonies and, and beautiful successes out of these disappointments, Lord. Thank you that you are faithful, God, and that we can trust you. And then I want to pray for everyone else who's sitting here, and, and Jesus, first of all, I want to thank you for these but God stories, Lord. Thank you for where you've showed up when we totally have not expected you, when we felt like we were in a prison, or we were, um, yeah, just slaves and undeserving, and yet there you were, Lord, there you were, and there was no coincidence in it, Lord, because you are a good, good father, Father God, I pray that you would open our eyes. Open our eyes to see you more, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you are actively pursuing us just as you pursued Joseph, Lord. That you are running after us. That you will not let us go. And I pray that as we go into this week, Lord, that, that even as we face disappointments or setbacks, that no matter what, Lord, that we would know the greater truth and that is that you are with us and that we can be with you. We can have fellowship with you despite the circumstance, despite what we're facing. We can trust you and we can trust your word, Lord. Thank you just for the healing of hearts over this place now, Lord. And as we recognize these moments and, and where emotion might even surface, thank you, Father, for for just meeting us in that place, in that place of, of gratitude and in that place of vulnerability. We love you, Father God. In Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen.